G'day, it's Phil Edwards, Vision CEO here, with a quick invitation to become part of this amazing beacon of hope called Vision. Together we can put our love into action to help people of all kinds build or rebuild their lives on the truth of God. Please consider the part you can play during our upcoming Visionathon appeal, remembering that it's your support that makes Vision possible, including this podcast. 2020, bringing a biblical perspective on life, culture and current events. Weekdays on UCB's Vision Radio Network. Find out more at vision.org.au. It is Neil Johnson with you on this Thursday edition of 2020 and we're talking manhood. But uh, we don't want to leave women out of our conversation through the rest of this hour because there is, in one sense, uh, an issue. Whatever happens to men, there are often women and children within that line of influence. You might like to be a part of our conversation talking about men today. In fact, uh, you might be thinking, what does authentic manhood look like? We're going to see if we can answer that question with our special guest, Dr. Alan Meyer, who is one of the founders of CareForce Life Keys. And uh, I've got to say, uh, welcome along, Alan Meyer. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be with you. I've got to say, Alan, as I, uh, if I compliment you, I, in fact, I can't recall ever sitting in on uh, on particular lectures or uh, or talks about manhood that have ever been so gripping as the ones that I've sat through uh, with you. And I'm talking some years ago now, but when we come to talk to issues uh, about manhood, uh, this is one of those important areas. Sometimes it seems to be difficult for some people to get their head around. Well, that'll be true. And, um, of course, once you discuss any issue that relates to gender, there'll be um, people with their own experiences that begin to colour the situation and so it adds a lot of colour to the conversation. People have had different experiences of uh, manhood and uh, as a result they will have uh, lots of different contributions to make. We hope that what we have to share today will be useful to everybody. Well, it's interesting, where do we start when we talk about uh, an authentic expression of manhood? And we want to be able to talk through all sorts of issues, money, sex, power, men, and the influence that men have on women and on children and on whole communities that surround us. Uh, This is a very, very important topic. And I wonder whether we might be able to start, and I know you do like to talk about the reasons why uh, there are points in a man's life where he makes oftentimes wrong decisions. You talk about dangerous moments. What is the thing that that you can see in Australian men and perhaps all men in general that we all have in common uh, that oftentimes uh, helps to mould who we are and and brings to light this search for meaning that we have? Yeah, well, I'm, I believe, I perceive this to go back to the very question of um, the origin of humanity. Um. I think the um, issue of our origins are bound up in the struggles that we have with life. Um, The average Australian is a materialist. Um, They have been, we've been profoundly influenced by evolutionary thinking and so the average Australian would, if you ask the question, well, where does masculinity and where does femininity come from, they they look to the whole idea of evolutionary progress. So we're really the end product of a mindless, mechanistic universe. I hold a different view to that. Um, I really do believe that men and women are created in the image of God, that that the God who is there 
is a Trinitarian God. He's the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. He's a God of eternal intimacy. Um, he's a God of acceptance, value, and belonging. And as a result, those things are woven into the human heart, that there's this uh, endless cry and longing for acceptance. There's an endless longing and cry for value and for belonging because of our origin. And um, these things are like thirsts. They're, they're like longings, that they're, they're like needs. And as a result, um, they continually surface in our life and they cry out for fulfillment. Um, my opinion is that uh, the greatest fulfillment, what people are really looking for is heaven. I mean, I think we're, in many ways, human beings, men and women, are a little bit like children lost in a supermarket. We don't know... We've lost our mum and dad, you know, and, and we're crying in aisle three trying to figure out where we came from and why we feel the way we do and why we often feel empty and why we often feel desperate and uh, hurt and disappointed. And uh, we were intended, I think, to find our greatest level of security in a deep relationship with God and then we can't see God. We've lost that, that intimate relationship. And I think as a result... Um, Often people are feeling things they don't know how to explain. They have longings they don't know how to describe. They haven't even got a language for it. And men are um, as much in uh, in a place of looking for an answer to their life as, as any woman is. And they, these things then play out in the way men do life. You like to talk about this uh, issue of our lives, the way things play out, the things that we pursue in order to somehow or other uh, reach some level of satisfaction or fulfilment, uh, you know, this search for a purpose and ultimate meaning. Uh, but there along the way are points, danger points, uh, that uh, we actually make some wrong decisions in. Uh, tell us about the search for the the meaning, the purpose that we uh, that we often have. And I'm not. This is not just men, is it? This is women. But but I, I think you focus in on on what makes a man tick. Sure, and I, and for that reason, I I think what's so interesting is that one of the books in the Bible that demonstrates this desperate search. Um, I call it the man's book of the Bible because here is a man. Um, expressing um, his struggle with his own life. Um, and he starts out by um, putting right on the table his own feeling of inadequacy. He starts out by saying, meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. And here's a guy who's um, saying, there's, there's something missing in my life. Now, if this guy had been, if the person who wrote that had been working in a factory and he'd spent most of his life just putting widgets on top of gadgets. In other words, his life is just relentlessly boring. You'd say, well, what the guy needs is he needs a better job and more money and a, and a holiday in Fiji. But the person who wrote that was a king sitting on the throne of Israel at uh, the most impressive moment in Israel's history. That was written by King Solomon. And he wasn't, li he, he wasn't uh, working in a factory. He wasn't, didn't have a meaningless or... Um, a relentlessly boring job. He's the king of, of, the, of the, the nation who was the greatest nation of the world at that time. And so my question is, well, what's wrong with you, sir? And he begins to outline then the, the feelings that he has. The first one is um, the uh, feeling that comes to all of us that life is short and it's running away very rapidly. I am a mortal being and um, my life is is 
is just running away at 60 seconds a minute, 60 minutes an hour. I used to have a grandfather. I don't have a grandfather anymore. I used to have a father. I don't have a father anymore. That's my experience. And I'm the next one in line. And you begin to realise um, I'm not going to be a teenager for the rest of my life. Um, I'm going to get old. I'm going to die. And so you start asking questions. Am I, am I, is, is the life I'm living, is it really exciting? You know, is, is this all there is? Is this life? The second thing he struggles with is the ordinariness of life. Even when you're a king, lots of life is repetitious. You get up every day, you have breakfast, you have your lunch, you have your dinner, you go to bed, you wake up, do it all again the next day. And he then begins to outline where the danger points are. He said, first of all, he said, I tried to make pleasure the meaning of life. And so he goes on a search. He tries to make booze and he tries to make drugs, alcohol, the analgesics, the meaning of life. He tries to make business the meaning of life. Maybe that's the meaning of life. And he works his way down a list. And the last one, he says, I got myself a harem as well. He tried to make sex the meaning of life. And I, I really feel for people because if you don't have a theology at the back of life, you feel this relentless cry for fulfillment and you don't know what it's going to take for you to ever be happy. And that means you're pretty dangerous. If you're a married man with, with, with some children and, the, and your wife, you've got a wife and, a and some children looking to you for stability and looking to you for leadership and your life feels empty and you start going on a search. You buy a gold chain and open up your sports shirt and spend your money and buy a motorbike and head off over the, into the sunset. That, that woman and those children are going to pay a price for the dangerous moment that you find yourself in, trying to figure out what your life is about. And we... um, the, I think this book of Ecclesiastes is a fascinating book because it lists a whole range of uh, danger points that even a king found himself facing, which means this is a human issue. It's not just that um, my socioeconomic level in life um, is inadequate and that's why I'm having It's a deeper issue than that. I love about uh, the the way that you are able to just bring uh, a down-to-earth approach and uh, talking about Solomon, the book of Ecclesiastes, the ordinariness of life, the cyclical life, and you've, you've been able to draw out some things there. I want to invite our listeners into our conversation here too, Alan. Our, our uh, talkback line is open. If you'd like to contribute to our conversation today, we are talking about what it takes uh, to be an authentic man, we are talking about the ordinariness of our lives, the cyclical nature of our lives. We're talking about those things that we turn to to spice up the ordinariness of our lives. You might like to be a part of our conversation. one eight hundred eighty eight zero eighty seven six. Our talkback line is open. one eight hundred. Eighty-eight zero eighty-seven six. The idea of spicing up your life, Alan. Uh, you mentioned money. You mentioned power. You mentioned sex. Uh, the idea of pursuing business and hobbies and those sorts of things. Uh, just before we uh, have a, a short break, those sorts of things are the ways that uh, that we try to fill the ordinariness of our lives. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, every one of us, if we were a little bit reflective, could uh, come and ask the question. Um, what where, where have I? What kind of well have I been drinking at when I get uh, empty and lonely? And I'm grateful in that um, the the, boot, the drugs and alcohol thing was never my pathway, and um, which which these can be so destructive that often people don't even survive their their attempt to find a meaning. 
I know my brother who uh, was in that drug scene for some time buried five of his best friends over the five years that he was uh, living in that lifestyle and they never got a chance to come out the other side and pursue uh, pursue life because they're dead. Um, mine was kind of more in the area of sport and I, I'm, I've looked back now and I see a number of periods of time where uh, you feel like you found the meaning of life. It, was it skiing? Um, maybe it's golf. And then as you pursue those things, you often find yourself pouring money and time into that in a desperate attempt to have the life you've always longed for. And um, then you find yourself frustrated and angry, throwing golf clubs, uh, using words that aren't written in the Bible, because um, you get so frustrated and angry, trying to get the life you're looking for. I look back, I see that in my own experience. And uh, I think well, the, the, the few, and, and that's not to say there's anything wrong with golf or anything wrong with skiing, but when you try to make it the meaning of life, you're going to discover that uh, it has a very limited capacity to produce what you're looking for. Dr. Alan Meyer is our guest. He's the founder of CareForce Life Keys. Uh, we'll also talk about his latest book called From Good Man to Valiant Man, just ahead. And you can be a part of our conversation. Perhaps you'd like to contribute uh, your own experience, perhaps, when it comes to money, sex, power. Uh, what does it take to be an authentic Christian man or any any sort of man uh, when you have a theology of life that you discover in the Bible, as we've been talking about. It's Neil Johnson with you this Thursday edition of 2020, talking through one of the most important topics you'll ever talk about, and that is the influences on men. If you're a man listening in, or you may be a woman listening in, uh, perhaps on the receiving end of what happens in a man's life, uh, you'll be very interested in our conversation. Our special guest is Dr. Alan Meyer, the founder of CareForce Life Keys, his latest book is called From Good Man to Valiant Man, but we're talking through issues of manhood. The idea, Alan, that uh, living a cyclical, uh, ordinary existence, there comes a point, and perhaps many points in a man's life, where he looks for ways to spice up his life. He looks for ways to find pleasure and fulfilment. So he seeks after all sorts of things like sports, as you mentioned, uh, you mentioned the word golf, uh, pleasure, uh, sex. These are the sorts of things that can take a man astray and leave those who are in his care and in the sense of a wife and children uh, in a very, very difficult situation when things go bad. Absolutely. And one of the things I'm most grateful for is that I grew up in a home where my father didn't do that. And I, I guess I thought that maybe everybody had a family like that, but the older I've gotten, the more I've um, related to particularly men who are struggling with themselves and the women and the children who are struggling with the man who is creating the challenge, the more I've appreciated the father that I had. Because, see, my dad became a follower of Jesus when he was only four years of age, and all my life my father lived with a sense that um, pleasure was not the meaning of his life, it was... Um, honouring God and honouring his call and um, uh, fulfilling his role as a follower of Jesus. And so I grew up in a home where my father just lived responsibly and loved my mother. And um, I, there was never a moment where I wondered if the marriage would fail and we'd be in a divorced house. That never occurred. And it wasn't until I was a lot older that I deep appreciated how, profound, how profoundly valuable it is when a man has found an anchor 
for his soul and instead of being blown every in every direction trying to to uh, find an answer to the struggles in his life he's found a his uh, his anchor in Jesus and he he understands the nature of life and then lives it out manfully uh, I lived under the blessing of that and I'm, I've never sought I've never ceased to try to help men to uh, embrace that kind of life because of what it means for society for what it means for families what it means for themselves Let's talk about some of the things you've been writing about of recent times, and that's an issue of masculine shame. Yeah. Uh, what is it? What is masculine shame, and what are the effects of it? Well, men are very, very sensitive. Women, women often think men are insensitive creatures. In fact, the problem with men is that they're hypersensitive. And one of the things that men are most sensitive to is uh, any moment or any situation in life in which their manhood might be demonstrated to perhaps be inadequate. Um, psychologists call this uh, masculine gender role stress. That is the, the stress that's generated inside a man when he perceives that a situation that he's either in or is about to, to face uh, represents manhood and that he may well fail the test. It matters a great deal to men to feel that they're respected, that um, they're, and for some, that they're feared. Men often, um, sadly, uh, address the, the desire to feel a sense of significance or a sense of value by um, associating certain things with manhood that are very unhelpful. Uh, a preoccupation with physical adequacy or inadequacy, uh, who's in charge, um, emotional inexpressiveness, um, performance success or failure become very significant to men. And as a result, um, people can press the buttons in a man that make him fear that uh, he's going to be demonstrated to be less than a man and then see some very surprising results. Okay, now let's talk about the results because one of the results oftentimes is a resorting to violence. Oh, absolutely. I mean, take, take for example, the issue of road rage. Um, you, you're waiting at a, at a, 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 a stoplight and uh, the, the light changes green and the guy in front hasn't noticed, so you beep your horn, doot, you give him a little touch to remind him. The next thing you know, a guy's out of a car, he's picked up a wrench and he's smashing the windscreen on the car behind him. And you've got to ask the question, what's that about? Well, when the guy behind beeped his horn, he sent him a signal to say, you're an idiot. And uh, what could seem to be from one person just an indicator that the light has changed green is received by another one that you are sending me a signal to say I can't drive, that I'm an idiot, that I'm inadequate. And the flare of anger which can then take place could result in someone being dead uh, on the side of the road simply because someone perceived a slight or some kind of a negative reflection on their masculinity. Now, um, road rage it can happen in a church car park and, I'm think, and, and demonstrates that the, the sensitivity, men are incredibly sensitive to any, to any message that says yeah, you're less than a man. Now, I experienced one of those just earlier this year. Uh, I'd been doing some study on the issue of masculine gender role stress, and I found the, uh, the whole teaching on this very insightful. Now, Helen and I were away on a holiday somewhere. Uh, we were in Honolulu on our way to the United States, and 
I, and uh, I said, let's walk along the beach down to the shopping centre. We'll go shopping. So we're hand in hand walking off down the beach. And I'd never done this before. Uh, but I figured if we walk along the beach, we'll get where we want to go. And as we were making our way through one resort after another, we, we came to a chain mail fence that stretched across the beach and wouldn't let us go any further. Well, I turned right and walk, start to walk along the chain mail fence when I hear Helen behind me say this to me, you don't know where you're going, do you? And I felt such an inward surge of anger. I turned around and I chewed her out and immediately I was humiliated. What, what, a, what an inappropriate response to a question. You don't know where you're going, do you? And for the next two hours, as we walked around that shopping centre, I'm asking myself, what was that all about? Now, it took me two hours to be able to, to articulate this. When my wife said to me, you don't know where you're going, I felt like she was saying to me, you're an idiot. And when you threaten a man's sense of manliness, the response is often... Um, uh, an outburst of anger, and that, and I, and I, and so within a couple of hours, I could say to her, "Look, forgive me. Um, that was, that was totally inappropriate." And I, t I think this is what happened when you said to me, "I, you, I don't know where I'm going." I felt like you were saying I'm an idiot. Now that's not what you were saying, but it's what I felt like, and that to me was simply just another experience in life where I realised how hypersensitive male ego is to the things that women and children can do in their world that result in what is to them unexpected and unexplainable outbursts of totally inappropriate behaviour. Do you say to men, Alan, uh, you know, monitor your feelings, monitor your anger, just uh, think through the issues? Because there is a sense, isn't there, unless you understand what's going on on the inside, you're not going to be able to address those things, are you? And that's exactly right. This is one of the reasons why we created the Life Keys program called Man to Man, because um, men grow up in a world where the boy code is a really big deal. From, a, from the earliest days in their life, they are building an inward, um, non, that's not articulated, but they're building an emotional picture of what a man is. Don't throw like a girl. Or he throws, he throws like a girl. Don't, don't, uh, don't cry like a girl. So boys from, from infancy are developing a picture of what does it mean to be a man? Um, they begin to believe that a real man is feared, a real man is obeyed, a real man is respected. Uh, and every man has within himself a man box. Men are supposed to be what? Rich, powerful. Men are supposed to do what? They're supposed to win. They're supposed to be listened to. Men are supposed to have what? Well, they're supposed to have authority. They're supposed to have money. They're supposed to have answers to questions. Men know everything. Men are not supposed to do what? Not supposed to cry, not are supposed to be afraid. And so every man has a man box on the inside, but he's never investigated. He doesn't even know what's in the box. And then a woman can say something or do something, or another man can say something or do something. It threatens something in his man box, and before you know it, there's a fist fight going on, or there's violent, um, outrageous behaviour taking place. And one of the most important things that you can ever help a man to do is to begin to understand what is going on on the inside. 
And uh, the reality is that uh, men who are struggling with this masculine gender role stress, they feel like they're not succeeding as a man. They're unhappy, they're depressed, they're restless, they're empty, they are hurting on the inside and often very resentful of others. Um, their intimate relationships are constantly being damaged. Uh, if you're dealing with fathers, they will tend to punish more and relate less. And sadly, they're the least likely to help. One of the funniest clips that you can see on the YouTube, if you've ever, uh, everybody loves Raymond, is the night where his wife suggests that they might need marriage counselling. And he doesn't want to go and see a marriage counsellor. Why not? Well, because I'll fail. I'll, I'll be no good at it. You know, um, I, don't, I won't have the language for it. I'll feel inadequate. I'll feel a fool. And as a result, that often men who are struggling with so the least likely, they're the least likely ones to seek help. Uh, they're often suffering on the inside and they generate suffering for, them, for the people who are around them. Dr. Alan Meyer is our guest, founder of CareForce Life Keys. We are talking about life, culture and current events from a biblical perspective, 2020. It's Neil with you on 2020. Our guest this hour, Dr. Alan Meyer. We are talking about men, authentic manhood. We've been talking about the challenges that men face. And Alan, if we can spend a few minutes talking about ways in which we can take ourselves to a a, a different level, a, a way of improvement. Uh, we talk about things like healing the masculine soul, and I'm sure that from the conversation so far, people will see not only men in their own lives, but women in the lives of their husbands and their sons and their fathers and uncles. They'll see a, a real description of what is at work in the life of a man. How do you actually start a turnaround if you recognize that you are affected by some of the things we've been talking about so far? Sure. I think um, it, if, we, if we understand how we are put together and um, how the damage starts, it helps to appreciate how the healing can come. Um, one of the most important uh, insights, I think, about the way in which we are built is when you watch the way a baby learns a language. The very first uh, game that a baby will ever learn to play is called hide-and-seek. And you watch any child, you, you cover your face with your hands and you pull your hands away and you smile and the baby bursts into laughter. Uh, we are created in the image of a Trinitarian God, a God who from all eternity does life face to face, and we are created in his image, which means that what is reflected to us from the faces of others becomes critical in creating the building blocks that make us who we are on the inside. And um, in the healing process, it becomes important to think through the kind of things that have been mirrored to me and have become part of my uh, the building blocks of my inner manhood um, babies learn to talk by just lying around in a house I mean if you've ever tried to learn a language you realize how hard it is um, and yet babies without having a textbook or an expert or um, uh, formal lessons soak in the environment because that's how we pick up who we are and it's how we need to learn to heal who we are, it's about who, whose face we look into and what we deliberately allow to be reflected. Now with a baby, it's, it's, it's not deliberate, it just happens. They're just lying around in an environment, they begin to suck it in and it begins in some kind of a miraculous way, 
kids begin to soak in vocabulary, they begin to soak in uh, a way of communicating so precisely that you can hear a two-year-old child talk and you can hear the accent, the lilt in a two-year-old child. They've picked up the environment so precisely. So environment becomes critical. It's one of the reasons I read my Bible every day. Um, I need to look into a mirror that reflects something back to me that's truthful about who I am, about the degree to which I'm valued, about what it is that uh, the the God who created me is looking for, what he is is seeking to impart to me and find in me. Uh, So my Bible becomes important. The community I relate to, it's one of the reasons relating to a good church can be one of the most healing environments is to get into a relationship with a group of men who are healthy because you watch what they say. It's reflected back to you. You see how they handle disappointment, how they handle questions, how they handle discipline, how they handle failure. And to hang around with healthy people is to begin to have reflected to you behaviours, values, um, skills, and they become a healing influence in themselves. That's why church is intended to be a healing environment. And as long as the church is healthy, people will, will grow healthier if they're transparent and honest in that environment simply because what's being reflected to them is helpful and healthy and reliable. If and, I can uh, hear so what you're saying here, Alan, uh, you're saying here that if you really want to change or if the men around you, if you're a woman, you can see these issues coming to light in the men around you've got to change the environment that you're in and you're saying that uh, yes the bible is important because you start to reflect the face of god in the the understanding you have of reality you're also saying find people who are already in that transformation and uh, you're saying that the local church is a great place to look for someone uh, who is a man that is influenced and shaped by the bible Exactly. Find a healthy, if, you, if you can find a healthy church, that will be a healing environment just by relating to healthier people. Okay. And uh, so uh, when you're talking generationally too, uh, we're interested in the children here. So it's a matter of men coming back to church in one sense because uh, finding healthy men to relate to and then uh, wives and children coming and being part of that so that there is actually a generational effect here, not just something that's happening just with the man. It is my passion in life that um, the church is not a religious institution. It's the house of God. And um, if, the, if the house is healthy, if God's uh, house reflects the value of a human life and the goodness of God, and the wonder of forgiveness and truth. Um, and people could living that. They're not doing it as a religious exercise. They're doing it because Jesus said, um, I'm the way, the truth, and the life, and anyone who follows me won't be walking in darkness. If you can find people who, for whom church is not a religion, it's a, it's a life with Jesus, then those people get healthier and healthier. It's not about um, pretense. It's not about... Uh, performance orientation it's not about appearance management it's about real love real honor real relationship in that environment people just get healthier by relating well and then it is a multi-generational thing 
And, of course, um, the, the real risk here is if, you know, some of the things we've been talking about earlier in our conversation, and there'll be people who have joined our conversation and didn't hear some of those earlier things, but you can really blow life. Uh, you can mess up the things that would happen in eternity, and uh, all because of a flurry of self-indulgence, uh, trying to spice up your life to get out of the cyclical and the ordinary. But what you're saying here is that, uh, you know, don't blow it get into a right place where you can become healthier, and that is through a local church and connecting with God. Absolutely. I, I think, for example, of the times that men uh, particularly take the issue of pornography have been on the edge of being just drawn right into that the web of uh, just trying to find excitement internally by viewing pornography to get around a group of men that have uh, made the determination to honour womanhood to treat womanhood with the dignity that it deserves, to, to cherish and to honour every woman in their life. They hear the language. They see the behaviour of those men. It becomes a, a mirror that just reflects back a totally different set of values. And you watch men change in that environment by virtue of the fact that they're uh, in an environment where the, the, the right things are being honoured uh, and the right things uh, are being embraced as far as uh, lifestyle is concerned. Alan, with the message that you carry, I'm not. Uh, I, I would be. Uh, I'm surprised why you are not already considered a national treasure because <laughs> men relate to you so deeply on the things that you're able to share. Women must love you because they recognise that there are some of these issues that their men face. Uh, there is a sense here in which this message needs to go far and wide, doesn't it? Oh, there's no question. It's what we live for. That trying to help churches to do this kind of restorative ministry and see the value of it. Because uh, there's, there's no community in this country, no, there's no uh, district in this country that doesn't need this kind of help. Uh, some early publications of yours, uh, book and DVD series called The Valiant Man, your latest book, From Good Man to Valiant Man. Just very quickly, uh, uh, how's things going with that and uh, getting a good response? Oh, it's been wonderful. It's been translated now into a number of different languages, just been recently translated into Czech and uh, it's been translated into Indonesian and who, who, Swahili, can you believe that? Okay. <laughs> so, um, yeah, the book has been, it's been translated into Russian. So it's been going uh, to different places all over the world. And your uh, website for uh, CareForce Life Keys, there are some resources there people can get a hold of? Oh, absolutely. If they come to carefocelifekeys.org, um, they'll find a connection to a whole range of helpful material. Alan Meyer, Dr. Alan Meyer, founder of Careforce Life Keys. Carefocelifekeys.org was that website. Uh, check that out and uh, do whatever you can to hear some more of what Alan teaches. Alan, a pleasure having you on 2020 today. Thanks so much for being with us. Well, we've got to do it again sometime, Neil. It's always good to talk these issues. Like what you've just heard? There's more great podcasts. Or you can listen to us live at vision.org.au. And remember, Vision is listener supported. Your donation of any amount will help us continue connecting faith to life. Learn more or donate today at vision.org.au.